Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Already deficit and what the president has done the last two years. You've heard me talk about that uh, many times from the podium. And we have said, we have said very loud and clear to the speaker, if he has any ideas on how to work together on that, we're willing to listen and work in good faith. But look, as it relates, as I've always said, when it comes to uh, lifting uh, the debt ceiling, that is a completely separate issue. And that has not changed. You saw that from our readout yesterday. You've heard this from me. You heard it from the president. You've heard it from Brian Deese and others. Uh, in this administration that uh, that we need to do that without conditions. The debt's- so we had a good conversation with Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, but, uh, but yeah, we don't care. It's a weird one-two punch. This is actually happening right now. It's Corinne Jean-Pierre. Cringe Jean-Pierre doing cringe Jean-Pierre. I'm sorry. It's funny. Doing the White House press briefing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, Boo Bear? 833 got 833-468-8669. Would love to hear from you. Of course, the big vote that takes Ilhan Omar off of the House of Foreign Affairs uh, Committee. You got the press briefing. Dear Lord, this whole debt limit conversation. Chuck Schumer talking debt limit. Holy McCrap. It is... It is an irrational conversation being had about a rational subject. You got to pay your debts. Their argument is, that's it. And the rational argument is, well, shouldn't this be a conversation about how much we spend? And maybe if we spent less and paid down more of the debt, it'd be easier to pay off the debt so we wouldn't have to always raise the debt limit and borrow so much money. Isn't that, isn't that the conversation? we need uh, to be having is it sh- shouldn't that be it and when you say something like that they all look at you kind of skew and go oh hot 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 like it's a hot take like somehow no one ever thought of that and then you're like no seriously we should spend less money and they're all like i didn't know I didn't know I didn't know you could bring it up. You couldn't bring it up. Just we should spend less money and mess my, this might be a good time to talk about it. And they're all like I hate Illinois Nazis. Whoa! Whoa! Don't you tell me I'm from Illinois. See what I did there? That's pretty good. That's pretty that's pretty good right there. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. You have a problem the way uh, Speaker McCarthy's handling this? Do you think it's wrong? To bring up spending when the debt limit comes up, love love to hear it. Meanwhile, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre is answering the questions over there in the press briefing. ...into law over the last two years, uh, which are creating good, uh, paying middle-class jobs and delivering real results for people by fixing our roads, bridges, tunnels, lowering costs on uh, everyday goods. Those are just a few examples that you will hear from the president. Uh, I will also say, somebody just asked, uh, I don't know, it may have been you, Mary, about the optimism um, that the, that uh, you see from this president, right? This is something that uh, you have heard from him over and over again, especially in the last two years, is how he is optimistic about the future of this country. And you'll hear some of that as well. And the possibilities. Uh, I've said this before. You hear that. He's talking about the uh, the State of the Union 
First of all, I, I have no problem with the president being optimistic about the country. And I actually believe that he is. But he's not so much somebody doing something to help build the optimism in others. His optimism is solely based on a lack of um, observational view. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be all sorts of supportive. I'm going to be all sorts of optimistic, and everyone's going to be optimistic because I'm optimistic, and that's not the way it works. You have to give people reason for optimism, which really should get us into what in the world should we expect from this State of the Union? I, I must admit to you, I was actually a little taken off off my footing. I thought it was going to be in a few weeks because I, I had I had clearly missed a little bit of the, 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 the time track and didn't realize it was going to be next Tuesday. So now I'm asking myself, well, what is going to get said here? What possibly could he be putting forward? How does a guy who has, as he has, for so long with his just nastiness towards the Republican Party and towards Republicans, how could he now come about saying, um, uh, I, I want to bring everybody together? How in the world would he do that? Give our Republican friends some, what is it, common sense? Let them learn some decency? Um, this long, long history that he has with being just unbelievably rude. How, what is his plan to engage an idea of, of, of uplift? I honestly don't know. Nor do I know how he would try and properly sell his economic plans as valuable when they're not and they haven't done anything for us. I would assume it's only to, hey, look at all this great legislation we passed. Look at this great legislation. Look at this great legislation. Look at this great legislation. We should work together on behalf of the American people. I'm out. And then, and then he goes. But is he a guy who is capable of not giving the dig? Remember, it's Joe Biden. He's a nasty, nasty guy. He's a nasty dude. He's mean. He's petty. He's all of these things. Rolled up into a very old man. And he's going to be doing all of this in the backdrop of a scandal. I honestly, I I don't know. I've just started thinking about it. He can, of course, bring up the scandal. There's no way. That's Joe. Anything's possible. But what's he really going to sell to Americans? What's his next vision? More spending? That's what I have not been able to get my uh, head around yet. I'm working on it. 
Meanwhile, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Those in recent days have been warning about this increase in offensive uh, that they're expecting from Russia. One official saying that, th that Russia is preparing for, quote, maximum escalation. Is that an assessment that the White House shares? And is there any plans or how soon might we see more security assistance? So look, as it relates to security assistance, as you know, uh, we have been um, uh, we have been very consistent in providing the assistance that uh, the people of Ukraine need to defend uh, the aggression that they're seeing from Russia, which is almost we're up almost to a year of that. And the president has shown his commitment throughout this year. Uh, he's shown his commitment, uh, as you've seen, when uh, President Zelensky was here most recently and many times before in bringing together NATO, bringing in together uh, the West uh, to really uh, have that strong partnership uh, with our partners and allies uh, to really help Ukraine in every way that we can. Man, she really does know how to say nothing in a lot of words. We gave them Patriot, bat Patriot missiles. We gave them 31 M1A1s. The Abrams tank. There are people like, like former Secretary Pompeo who are totally down with this. I get it. I get what he's saying. I'm just not. And it's not that I really oppose giving them the weaponry or the armaments. It's that I do not believe for a second that the Ukrainian military can actually run these things. They can't run the M1A1. They cannot run a, a Patriot uh, missile system, a defense system. And my fear, my fear is that this is going to lead to U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine to help them utilize these systems and to train them, engage repairs, whatever the case may be. And I have heard nothing Nothing that says to me, yeah, that's not going to be the case. Mostly I just get blank stares and people are like, oh, look, a squirrel. This is my fear. Now, this is in the backdrop of the United States and the Philippines building on a relationship. It was an announcement today, an expansion of America's military presence in the Philippines. Uh, pull out your map, peoples. F pull out your it's important you got to know where these places are and how these things connect the philippines and uh, just a massive islands i don't know is the philippines considered an archipelago Can someone get back to me on that we talk about taiwan and its proximity to china but the Philippines sits not too far away, directly across the South China Sea. The Philippines is this amalgam of, of islands. And the Philippines would be a very important place for the United States to be able to just do simple refueling, never mind rearming, never mind repairs. U.S. forces granted access to four more military camps. The agreement, um, of course, is going to make China crazy. 
There are already five Philippine military bases where U.S. personnel were earlier granted access, and construction of American facilities at those locations has been underway for years. There's been uh, supposedly local issues, and they're unspecified, which means theft. I mean, it's it's what it means. People coming in and stealing this and stealing that, and and just how do you deal with that? This is big news, and I'm not going to say it isn't good news. It's very, very good news. Very much good news. And something that's going to infuriate China. But if you haven't noticed, all of the talks that have been going on for, let's call it a decade, just just for the sake of the conversation, about China looking at Taiwan and, and licking their lips and saying, soon, my precious, soon. Well, Gollum's looking ready to pounce. And it seems like everybody's gearing up for that moment. China's looking for the moment to take back Taiwan, to have full hegemony in the area, the East China Sea, to build out uh, on the South China Sea, and, of course, to really engage a capturing of the Philippine Sea, which would put them in control of tremendous trade routes. Throughout the Pacific Rim. This is the desire. Control. Because once you control the things, then you can get access to the things, then you can engage more theft, because that's what the communist Chinese do. It's move on, move on, move, people. Let's not, let's not think that we are in a time of peace. We're not in a time of peace. And I'm just very... Uh, the one thing I'm happy about seeing from this administration, a continuation... I'm happy to see that there is a continuation of policies that recognize that China is the enemy. By the way, Jay on on the Twitter box, um, is it okay um, that we've given everything else to Ukraine? Um, Because since we've given them money from the very beginning, it escalates the idea of U.S. troops fighting Russia. No, I don't actually believe that. And uh, nothing has been shown to that, including the total opposition to a no-fly zone and a host of other subjects. You saw errant uh, bombings in Poland, which I agree came from Ukraine, uh, and that didn't signal anybody to say, well, we got to put American troops there. You've seen massive resistance to this idea. Now, I, I get that that people didn't want to give money from the beginning. I argue that that's the fine thing to do. Money and weapons and destabilize the Russians, totally fine. Absolutely fine. The thing that we haven't answered, Jay, in my view, it's Jay on Twitter, and I appreciate it, man. Uh, it's, it, your handle is Freedom Nukes? Damn, son. Uh, the thing that we have not addressed is what does destabilizing Russia get us? So, for example, you support Ukraine because basically it's a proxy war with Russia. And yes, Russia invaded Ukraine and you want these people to be able to live free even though the Ukrainians are far from perfect. And you want to destabilize Russia in this way and it's easier to do it with your treasure than with your blood. Right? That is a, that is a, uh, a principle that a lot of people w- would ascribe to. What has not been answered is, what does it mean to destabilize? 
This is what I can't answer. I cannot answer what the end goal is for the United States regarding Russia and then how that plays into China. And until that question is answered, we don't know what we're doing. Screwing with them, sure. Messing them up, sure. Okay, I get that. What's the end result? Autumn uh, Hunter thinks I'm underestimating the Ukrainians. Everyone thought Russia would win in less than 30 days. What do you know about operating Patriot uh, missiles and Abrams tanks? High school grads can use them. Oh, settle down. Uh, We're talking about very well-trained high school grads. And yes, everyone thought the Russians would win in 30 days. This isn't about underestimating the Ukrainians. This was about overestimating the Russians. We thought they had a freaking military. You know what we found? They didn't. We found that everybody and their mother lied to Vladimir Putin. Oh, what a fighting force. Oh, they want to fight for you. Oh, they love you. Please be bare-chested more often. And then they got themselves on the battlefield. And this is actually exclusive audio of the Russians on day two. (laughs) They had no idea what they were doing. But they have figured out that they've just got more people and more weapons and they can wait out more time and it doesn't matter how many Russians die, they can kill those Ukrainians. So, this isn't about underestimating. We'll see how much of all this conversation is part of Biden's um, uh, State of the Union address. That's next week. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. We are, we're not about political stunts. We're about dealing with a real issue uh, and taking action. And that's what you've seen from this president. Yes, that's exactly what we've seen from this president. That is not what we've seen from this president. Tony Katz! (laughs) Sorry, made myself laugh. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. The Dow is down 98. The NASDAQ is up over 300, up 385. That meta information um, they they did better than expected. The shares right now up 25%. I think the big story is that mortgage rates are in the 5% range. So people who have felt like they couldn't buy a house, people have been sitting on the sidelines, they may start really jumping in. They started this week at 621 then uh, you had Jerome Powell, chairman of the Fed, saying, you know what, uh, it's gonna, yeah, rates are going to go up a quarter point. And now all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's dropped this much. So uh, here's a great example. If you're buying a $400,000 house, 20% down, the payment today is about $300 less per month than it would have been in October. That's the difference for a lot of people. And that's $300 you're throwing away. On interest, throwing it away. So it's at 5.99. So people, I got to assume people are like, all right. If they were on the fence, some people like might be like, you know, we're going we're to we're gonna wait this all out. We're going to wait this all out. We've already figured out our rental situation. We'll, we'll give it two more years or something like that.
We'll see. Look, I don't want a problematic market. I want people being able to afford a house. But these inflationary pressures tell us that 2023 is still a problem. We'll see. This is Tony Katz today. The story of this councilwoman shot outside her home is, I only hope it gets the attention and gets the the investigation that it deserves. This is Sayerville. That, that is actually not too far from where I grew up. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, a pleasure. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com, TonyKatz.Locals.com. Uh, her name is Eunice Dwumfer. D-W-U-M-F-O-U-R. She was found dead inside her car, outside an apartment. Multiple gunshot wounds. Uh, So uh, 911 gets a call about shots fired around 7.30, Middlesex County Prosecutor's Office. Um, This woman then gets identified by a reporter at the New Jersey Globe. Found dead in her vehicle. So so there's a, a tremendous number of unanswered uh, questions here. Um, people are going to note, wait, this was a black Republican woman in New Jersey? And then they're going to ask some questions. I mean, that's just the way that's going to go. And I think it should, it should be, there should be questions asked for many more reasons uh, than, than that. Uh, it's... Because you don't have the knowledge yet of, of knowing whether this was purposeful, meaning was she the target? Was she in the way of something else that was going on? Um, everything to me says targeted. Everything about this says targeted. But that that is purely a, a speculative statement for me. And I don't usually engage in that kind of stuff. It's just you're going to have a hard time you're going to have to show me some real data about, well, they were aiming for this person, and what happened is, well, you see, it was confusion, which would still be uh, purposely targeted. They just got the wrong person. So, awful. I mean, it's an awful story. It's just so strange. I'm, I'm only hoping that the investigation, uh, I, that there is a serious level of investigation that takes place because it's, well, it's absolutely positively necessary. Then there's the story about John Fetterman. So Fetterman, of course, the senator from Pennsylvania, that's who they voted for when they said, we can't have Dr. Oz. Well, that guy ain't okay. John Fetterman cannot communicate. John Fetterman cannot communicate. He is continually having these auditory issues. And so what's happening is, is that he needs special technology to be able to understand what it is that's going on. He cannot follow. They're trying to add technology here. There's a, actually an office within the Senate, um, the Office of Congressional Accessibility Services. That's an office. So what he needs is a, is, a, is a monitor, and what he needs is, is the things being transcribed so he can read them because when he hears it, 
he's not able to process what it is he's taking in. That seems to be the, the, the story. I want to know if the people of Pennsylvania still think they made the right choice. Can I argue rationally that when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the senator, that it's very possible that he does not understand at all what it is that's being said to him, but he knows that he's being told to vote in a certain way. He doesn't pick up all the nuance. He doesn't pick up all the things. He doesn't know how to ask any questions. What he knows is he can read, say, vote yes on this, vote no on that, vote yes on this, vote no on that. They don't actually need him to have a brain. They need him to do what he's told, which was, of course, the fear from the very beginning. The Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, Karen Gibson, saying to time.com, I'm proud of the work our team has done to support Senator Fetterman and am grateful to the many sergeant-at-arms professionals who worked quickly to develop and implement these innovative solutions. I don't mind solutions. If there was a member of the Senate who was deaf, I would want them to have everything at their disposal, disposal to do their job. So no issue with the technology. The technology conversation is a red herring. The question here is about the ability to comprehend what is happening. That's the question. What is happening? Do we believe that Senator Fetterman could do this? And the answer is no. Mainly because they have not given us a reason to believe it. They have not given us a reason to think that this all makes sense, that he can make sense of anything being said to him. As a matter of fact, what they leave us with day in and day out is more and more confusion, more and more recognition that he's not all right, he was never going to be all right, and to a very large extent, that team perpetrated a fraud on America, never mind the people of Pennsylvania. But I'm not going to feel bad for the people of Pennsylvania. They did this to themselves. They knew better. Quality candidates, I'm told, right? Well, that's the problem, Republicans. You didn't have quality candidates. If you think John Fetterman's a quality candidate, you're a damn fool. He wasn't the quality candidate before. He was a very abrasive, very gruff, socially awkward, nasty leftist and now he has all those things and he's not able to comprehend what's being said to him which is a serious thing you you want to be able to do that and you you might need years of therapy it would seem now to do it that's what you would need and no one cares the democratic party didn't care his family didn't care you, you the 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 people uh, of Pennsylvania, sure as bloody hell, didn't seem to care. Now I have to. Do, I I I want to. Uh, I want to beg off that idea. I don't want to care about it. I I don't want it. 
I don't want a piece of it. Nope, 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 nope. I want to note how the people of Pennsylvania acted, what it is they did to allow this to happen. Yeah, sure, Oz wasn't perfect. And yeah, sure, uh, he was just running on that name ID. And yeah, sure, he may have had a house in New Jersey. I'm not saying no. I am saying that when you rank the things, at least Oz was cogent. But you did this. Now I want you to deal with it. You must know that you're never going to get representation this way. However, representation was never part of the desire. The vote was part of the desire. To be listened to, there will never be a moment where John Fetterman might even question his own party. I'm not saying that it would have come up before. I'm saying now it's impossible. Impossible. You at least want to think that your member of Congress is listening to you. You know what they've proven? No, he's not because he can't. That's not me being rude. That's me understanding the situation exactly the way it is. He can't understand fellow senators. He can't understand his staffers. He can't understand anybody who comes to brief him. And you have not proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that the technology that you've put into place is going to help. You have not shown that. You've only shown that you have the ability to install the technology, which I'm fine with. And I think rational people should be fine with. You have not shown that that technology is going to make a difference to his cognition. seems that we're the only ones who actually care about that democratic party of pennsylvania doesn't seem to give a damn his family doesn't seem to give a damn the democrats in the senate they don't seem to give a damn so i guess i guess the answers don't give a damn damn i'm tony katz i want to feel just a little just a little just a little so there's a there's a story and um find it confusing i find it very confusing i'm going to share it with you and and i want you to help me make sense of it a woman with a 100 pound leg spent her childhood hiding now she's a model i don't know what to do with that at, 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 at all Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Um, her name is Mahogany Getter. Is it Getter? G E T E R. And she's 25. She lives in Tennessee. And she was born with something called lymphedema. Not a doctor, um, but I, I mean, I'm not a doctor. But I do have some very, very good uh, doctor music, or at least I did. Okay, yeah. Anytime. I do anything uh, medically. Yeah, now I'm a doctor. Now, now I'm fully in it. Now I'm good. That was Doogie Hauser for those of you playing the, the home game. So, according to the Mayo Clinic, 
lymphedema refers to tissue swelling caused by an accumulation of protein-rich fluid that usually uh, is drained through the lymphatic system. Uh, and so what happens is, is that you get this fluid buildup and therefore it becomes gigantic. So this, this woman, her left leg is just, it's massive. Everything about her is in total proportion. She's, she's attractive. She is definitely attractive. Her leg is just a, a bit of, of, of everywhere. So the story, I guess, is about her uh, either coming to grips with or, or, you know, some people have mild cases. She's got a very noticeable case, and, and, and she does, and um, how she's, she's been able to overcome. There is an argument to be made, as, as ridiculous as it may sound top line. It, it's, it shouldn't be. It should be the part that we, we recognize. There are very, very attractive people out there or very smart people out there or very what have you that have a secondary issue. Is a woman who is attractive but missing her left arm, is she a supermodel? Well, not in any level of traditional sense, but it, when you think about it, doesn't necessarily stop one from being a model. It, the, the the point being that we can accept the fact that there may be things and yet, okay. There was a story about this woman who's a model who was born with Down syndrome. And you're like, wait a second. She's a model? It's not how you usually put the things together. And you're like, well, I think there we're, we're kind of reaching. And I'm willing to let people reach. Like, I have more give in my in myself uh, than, than maybe others do. Where I don't have any give is when you tell me that a man is a woman. I have no give for that. I'm not telling that man how to live his, his life. You, you go do be you. Just don't tell me I have to somehow accept it or embrace it or pretend that it's real when it's not. So when we talk about cultural changes going on there are some of them that where we could say you know what that is not so much for the worst if this woman megan i'm sorry not megan mahogany her name is mahogany getter if she has a leg that doesn't drain right the uh, the lymphatic system doesn't work but she, you know, whether it's, 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 it's her face or whether it's the rest of her body, whatever it is, well, go do. I have no issue with that. But you would have to discuss it as the idea of, first, uh, this person has a solid comfort with themselves. And I, when I say that, uh, allow me to, to use this as the example. How many guys are afraid to go in a swimming pool because they're overweight? I grew up the fat kid. I know what that experience is like. How do you think this woman feels being told, this is the only way beauty is, right? It's the only way it could possibly look. And then she has got this leg that is three times the size of her. 
So I have no issue with her doing this. I have no issue with a, some magazine or, or, or others, you know, paying her for it. You go right ahead. But what we would do is we would accept that it's different. And you might say about her, oh, she's, she's attractive. Uh, I don't know about the leg, but she, you, you would say that. I mean, that is just a very honest statement. What, what is, I think, important here is that in her head, she's like, you know, I'm going to go give this thing a try. Yeah, I got this thing, but you know what? I'm moving. I'm, I'm doing this. That's what matters. The acceptance of others is inconsequential. It's just like, okay, she decides she's going to be a model. No one has to give her a job. No one has to give her a job. Well, you're not giving it to me just because of my leg. Yes, that's exactly why we're not giving you the job. In a world where you allow people to live free and you try and keep your mind rational, you can get both sides of the equation pretty solid. I think it's good on her. I got no issue with her. She's not trying to tell me you're not allowed to notice. She's saying, look, I got this thing, but everything else, you know, I felt like I could do this. And then, you know, the world is just uh, letting me do it. And I'm, I'm giving it a go. Knock yourself out. Is it ever going to be the Victoria's Secrets uh, uh, models walking down the runway? No. And that's okay, too. What you're not allowed to do is tell me that's a picture of beauty. No, that is a picture of somebody who's like, you know what? I wanted to do the thing. I'm confident enough. I wasn't going to let me keep me down. Good on you. Good on you. That could be inspirational. Even if you don't find it beautiful. Give some, allow yourself to be able to engage some of that nuance. And don't be afraid to say the things. They don't want you to say the things. But saying the things is the only way you know you're free. You can do it all, guys. This you can do. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.